us in worship. Man, what a powerful name it is. That was getting me going back there. Uh, I hope that today is going to be a good day for you. I can tell you that I have come here to preach and chew bubblegum, and I am all out of bubblegum. And so today is going to be a good day. That is an old movie reference for people that are over 40 and male. And so anyway, uh, we started a new sermon series called The Year of yes. And last week we found the first yes in the Bible and we said that we had to surrender to the yes. This week we're going to be looking at a yes from the Apostle Peter um, as he is being called to follow after God. And, and every week we're going to tie a concept to a yes. And I hope today that you would be thinking as we walk through this passage, what is the yes that you need in your life today? Because we're going to find that a kinetic chain exists that, that links one yes to the next yes, one moment to the next moment, one season to the next season. And if you don't say yes in this moment, it's not going to get you to where God is trying to take you. Um, an example of that would be uh, whenever I was 16 years old, I surrendered to the ministry and I started preaching. That was uh, May 12, 1991. And uh, through the preaching opportunities that I received, I, I continued to grow. And then when I got to college, I, I went to um, a Christian uh, Bible study group. And then that group, um, I said yes to going to that. I was going to a retreat. And I said yes to going to that opportunity because I always want to be in a God environment. Parents, if you are going to make your kids go to the practices and all that kind of stuff, I would encourage you that you got to make sure they get to the God stuff too, because the God stuff is going to help them get through all the other stuff. And the church said, amen. All right. So um, I said yes to going to this weekend getaway. And it was at this weekend getaway that I saw this uh, Bonnie Lass uh, that was up in the choir and she had on a checkered uh, dress, jumper looking thing. And um, it was green plaid. And um, I said to myself, I'm going to go make my move, shoot my shot. And so I said, yes. And I went up to her and I asked her out on a date. And she said, yes. She goes, you are the best looking pastor that I have ever seen. I would like to go on a date with you. And I said, calm down, woman. We got to put Jesus between us. And I rebuked that spirit of lust that's in your heart. And then we started dating and it has gone really well. But uh, I want you to know something. If you don't say yes, if I didn't say yes to God to save me, if I didn't say yes to surrender to the ministry, and then I didn't follow him obediently, then I wouldn't have met the woman of my dreams. I wouldn't have the ministry that I have today. So I want you to know that the yes you say today impacts what happens tomorrow. And so if you're off track today, we can get you back on track with a yes today. As a matter of fact, I've entitled the sermon, One More Yes. And we're going to see that one more yes made all the difference in the world in the passage that we're going to preach from today. And one more yes for you might be a transformational moment. And we're going to see in this passage that Jesus is going to meet some guys that are empty and he's going to leave them filled. And so if there's any emptiness in your life right now, it doesn't have to end that way at the end of this service. And we're going to give you an opportunity to receive what God has for you. And so let's get into the text. We're going to find some fishermen, the apostle Peter. Um, and this is 
pre him becoming a follower and apostle, and he's just a fisherman, and they have fished all night and not caught anything. You're going to need to know that contextually for this to make sense. So it says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing, this is Jesus, by the lake Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. So Jesus is walking along, a crowd is following him, he's teaching, and it's almost like this mob is following him, and, and he sees two boats there. And so he, Jesus is like, Jesus kind of, you know, kind of, you know, getting on someone's boat, that's kind of a big deal. And so he sees two boats, and the fishermen had gone out, and they were washing their nets. Now, as I said, they haven't caught anything, so I don't know what they were washing if they did not catch any fish, but nonetheless, I'm sure there's some mending and things that you got to do. Um, I try not to ever not catch fish. And so anyway, so they were washing their nets and it says, getting into one of the boats, Jesus like walked up. He's like, I am going to get in your boat. Um, I like, I like this. This is a bold move. And so getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, which is what he was called before he became Peter the Apostle, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I don't know if you know how science, uh, the, the carrying of sound across water, water conducts sound, so you can yell at somebody a lot further across water than you can on dry land. And so uh, Jesus, a man of science, um, obviously he's God, he knew that, and he wanted to be able to speak um, adequately to this crowd. And so here he was moving along, and all of a sudden he comes along these fishermen that are washing their nets. And the first point I want to make is don't ignore God's interruption, all right? Don't ignore God's interruption, because we can we can kind of put ourselves in their shoes for just a moment. Like if you have ever had a bad day at work, have you ever had a bad day at work? Yeah, okay. Uh, have you ever had a bad day at work, sir? Yes, of course. And whenever you have a bad day, you tend to take it home, right? And here are these guys, they've had a bad day. They went out and they fished and they didn't catch anything. Now I get upset if I don't catch anything and I'm not fishing for my dinner, all right? They're fishing for their living, for their food that's going to get on the table. So there they are having fished all night and not caught anything. And now the next thing you know, this dude kind of walks up and he's like trying to get in their boat. And you can imagine that that could have led to some frustration. Like who who is this Jesus walking up in here, thinks that he can just get in my boat? I assure you, if one of you tried to take my boat out and I did not know you, that would be a problem. And so here was Jesus interacting with these guys and they don't know him. And yet he's asking to borrow their boat. He's interrupting their life. And you know how it is when people inconvenience us and they could have easily made excuses, right? They could, have, they could have said things like, hey, Jesus, we don't have time for this. We've been fishing all night. We're tired. Anybody in here tired? Anybody ever tired? You're like, you're like oh, I'm just too tired. Anybody? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, or we got to get home. We got soccer practice. We got, we got cheer practice. We got baseball. We got all the practices to get to. Um, and, and, you know, I got my favorite show DVR'd. And, you know, I, my wife's expecting all the things that they could have said are really things that we say today whenever we don't want to do something. Excuses are always available. And if you're not careful, you're going to ignore the interruption. 
And they could have missed out on this incredible opportunity that God was putting in front of them. I want you to know you should say yes when God is trying to interrupt what's going on in your life. Once again, he's interrupting an emptiness. He's interrupting an empty moment. He's interrupting an empty effort. And I want you to begin thinking in your own life, do you have any places in your life that are empty? Do you have any relationships in your life? that are empty? Is, is, your, is your passion for your profession, has it gotten to some empty places? Is, is the relationships that are supposed to be important or friendships, have it, they hit a lull and now all of a sudden they're not as fulfilling as they once were? When parenting, you can have these swings in your family life. In marriage, 100%. It's not, it's not the honeymoon every day, is it? All the married folk and the church said, Amen. Yeah, you got to work through those other times that are difficult. And so whenever God is interrupting you, he's not, he's not doing it on accident, all right? His interruption is on purpose. It is intentional. And so he is trying to interrupt where you're at in your life. And so oftentimes we're so busy with our picture-perfect, busy, helter-skelter, I got to get to this, I got to get, get to this. And if we're not careful, we're not making any time for God, and yet we're not producing what we want to produce, but we keep doing what we've been doing, even though we fished all night and it didn't produce anything, but we're going to keep, we're going to do it again tomorrow just the same way. And we never ask ourselves, is God trying to interrupt my emptiness. Does God have something better for me than what I have produced on my own? And I can tell you every time, yes. The answer is yes, that God has something better for you than what you can bring to the table. And also, by the way, he's never going to borrow something from you that a blessing isn't going to be attached when you give it in obedience. And we're going to find that out in just a moment, that they let him borrow the boat. And that that's interruption that they said yes to is going to lead to an opportunity. Because if you don't say yes to the interruption, man, you'll never, you'll never get to the invitation that is coming next. And you might be asking yourself, Tim, how do I know? How do I know when I should say yes? Well, I'll give you a really good litmus test. By them saying yes to Jesus borrowing their boat, did more people hear the word of God? Yeah. So if you're ever wondering, should I say yes to something? Whenever the church is asking, should we do this? Should we serve here? Should we, do, should we, should we give this? Should we? Are more people going to hear God's word if you say yes? If, if the answer is yes to that yes, then I say you should do it. You should do it. Uh, there's nothing else in life that's going to change people for all of eternity than them coming in contact with God's word. And so that interruption led to an invitation. Let's look at the next verse. It says in verse 4, when they had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Mm, 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 mm. If you don't say yes to the interruption, you will never get to this invitation. He was inviting them out to the deep water. Oh, you'll find out the truth in the deep water, right? 
Have you ever been in the deep water with a relationship? I guarantee, like you don't know someone until you've gone through the deep waters. And the church said, amen, right? Like anybody can play in the shallow end. Anybody can. Like you take a kid that's like afraid of water or an adult that's afraid of water to a pool or whatever. And what do they always do? They're like, right? They're like trying to touch that little bottom part because they don't want to get in over their head. Jesus said, I have something for you, but it's not here. It's out there. And listen, your yes is the difference between where you met him and where he's trying to take you. And the blessing is out there in the deep water. It's not out here in the shallow end. And you need to understand that there's a journey between the shallow end and the deep water. And if you're not willing to say yes to the journey, then you'll never get to the deep water. So many Christians, I fear, I fear, they live in the shallow water. In the shallow, shallow. That's, that, is, that is where believers hang out. They are comfortable in the kiddie pool. That's where they want to be. I mean, you know, just give me a little bit of Sunday morning, check the box, and let the singer sing on the stage, and I might even wave my hand, give God a high five, and walk out, but I don't say yes Every day in my daily life, I don't say yes to sharing him. I don't say yes to sacrificing for him. And so if you don't say yes to the journey, the journey's going to cost you some effort. If you want to get to the biggest blessing of your life, they had to row out to the deep water. I think that people think that it's going to happen where they met him, but no, where you meet him and where he's trying to take you, there's a distance between that and your effort and your obedience is what's going to take you to the place that God is trying to show you the most amazing moments of your life. Some of you are one yes away from God revealing himself on a level that you don't even know right now is possible. Here the apostle Peter is meeting Jesus on one of his worst days, one of his worst days where he hadn't caught anything. And now they're heading toward a place. He said, let down your nets. When we get out there, we're, we're going to go for a catch. Like Jesus knows where the fish are. Did you know that? I feel like someone needed that today. It's like, like you think that you know, but then you don't know, but he knows. And it's going to get so convoluted. And this is one of my favorite passages to preach. He says, what I have for you is out there. And I hope that some of you would say yes to moving out of the shallows and into the deep water today. It says in verse five, and Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Exclamation point. We took nothing. Implied in this is we've already done this. Someone ever ask you to do something again that you've already done? What are you, you're like, I did that already. I did that. Oh, I'm getting ready to preach to you, okay? Right there. I'm going to preach to y'all just a little bit, okay? You ready for it? You, couple, right there. Got it? <laughs> Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I will. Now, I shouldn't even have to say anything else right there. If you could just put that on the mirror, put that on your like dashboard of your car, put that on your forehead for your spouse, this is at your word, I will. I mean, last week we said we're not living on a whim, we're living on a word. This is where it's practically lived out. The apostle Peter said, at your word, I will. 
oh gosh, I'm going to preach that so hard in just a moment. At your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled over to their partners, and they said to another boat, come over here, help us. And they came and filled both boats. Oh my gosh. So that they began to sink. One more yes, and everyone gets blessed. Or if you're usher, one more blessed, and everybody gets blessed. Uh, I mean, if you can't get behind this, all they had, they were one yes away from the biggest catch of their lives. But here was this wrestling match between what their past experience was and what their current opportunity were in conflict because he looks at Jesus and he said, Lord, we toiled all night. We toiled all night. And I just want to preach for just a little bit on this, just, just a little bit, you know, because I know that a lot of people walk in here and they hear a sermon and, and you might be tempted to say, Tim, we've tried. Tim, we've tried. Tim, we've tried. We tried. We tried that. We tried that. We tried that. We went to that. We, got, we coached them. You got, a, you got a team that you work with. They're just a bunch of jack wagons. And you're like, you know, I sent them to conferences. I did this. I did that. We've tried over and over again. We tried. And I'm sure the disciples could have looked at Jesus like, we, we know, like, beside Simon Peter's name tag, it said fisherman. Beside Jesus' name tag, it said carpenter. All right? You, he could have literally like, Look at the name tag, Jesus. Like, do you know who knows about fishing? Me. And I imagine to, to me, Jesus looks back at him and says, yes, but yet you caught nothing. Jesus would suggest maybe there's an X factor. Like if you compare last night's emptiness to today's deep water moments, like what, what was different about this encounter from last night to right now? Like, hey, Jesus is like, spit, let me spitball here for just a moment. Just, just like, let's, let's look around, take inventory. Who's on the boat? Who's here? And where are we at? Same location, same net, same everything. I see one X factor in the equation. And it was that Jesus was in the boat. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like you could do the same thing over and over and over again and get the empty result. But if you would just put Jesus in your boat, it might change everything different than it's ever been before. You say, I've gone to counseling. Yeah, but was Jesus in the boat? You say, I've tried that parenting strategy. Yeah, but was Jesus in your boat? You say, I've tried to do my finances. Was Jesus in the boat? You show me a couple. And I, I hear a couple say all the time, like, oh, you know what? Well, I've tried everything, you know? Uh, when it comes to maybe uh, parenting, they say, like, I've beat my kids. I've taken this away from them. I've, I've, I've taken their phone away. I've taken their Xbox. I've taken the PS5. I've grounded them. And, like, nothing works. Is Jesus in the boat? Is Jesus... Have you prayed with them? I bet most parents in here haven't prayed with their kids. The first thing you should do in a crisis moment is seek the Lord with your kid to get them through that moment. You can tell them all day about how it should be, but if you want Jesus in the boat. You want to see something change? A couple, if both of them agree to put Jesus in the boat, I promise you they will come back together because they're focused on the same point. I know you've tried. I know you've tried. But why don't we put Jesus in the boat and get one more yes? One more yes, and everyone gets blessed. Have you ever thought about that? 
that your yes to Jesus might unlock a blessing for someone else? Don't you want to be that? It says that because Peter let down the nets one more time, the nets were breaking. They were so filled. And they had to call this other boat. They had a boat number two over here. And it says when they put all the fish in both those boats, they were still beginning to sink. That's amazing. That is the best day of fishing in their lives, all because Peter said yes. Just because it goes against what you have experienced in your past, don't limit that. Don't limit what God can do right now. Because that yes is the difference between a stop and a start. If you say yes to God, then it's a start of something new. If you say no to the opportunity, if you say no to the interruption, you won't get to the invitation. If you say no to the invitation, then you won't drop your nets. If you say no to that, then you won't have this opportunity to bless others. You see, whenever you say yes, it begins to overflow. You could have God fill up your love cup so much that it overflows into these other relationships. When you're doing it on your own, you are finite, which means in the love bank, let's say you got 10 credits. And by the time you've dealt with all the things you've got to deal with at work, you've already given out all the grace that you possess humanly. So when you get home, you have no grace for your family. You're just mean, or you isolate, or you're easily angered. Why is that? Because you're living inside of this human shell that is finite. God isn't in your boat. But if you say yes to following after him, all of a sudden he fills you up to the point that they're not taking things from you. You are overflowing into their lives. Your joy is overflowing. Your love is overflowing. Your grace is overflowing. Your mercy is overflowing into the relationships around you so that you don't even feel depleted when you give it all away because it's God that's pouring it in and then God that's pouring it out. So I'm just trying to get you to say yes. Say yes today. If you want to have the best day of your life, if you want to have the most blessed day of your life, then let's say yes. One more yes, and everyone gets blessed. Um, he found them empty, and he left them filled. So I don't know what emptiness you have in your life today, but we're going to worship here in about five to seven minutes. And I promise you, if you'll worship with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, you will leave here filled. It says in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. So he just had the biggest, best catch of his life. And his re response to God was, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when, he, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now watch this. Whenever you say yes to God and he pours out his blessing on you, you need to be careful. Be careful. I think most people want to take a selfie with the blessing. They like the trophy fish. They want to hold it up, take a selfie, post it on their face, and they want to say, man, I just had the best day ever. I just fished better than I've ever fished before. And if you're not careful, you know what you want to do? You want to consume that blessing and hold it up as if it's your trophy. Do you know what Peter did? Peter fell on his face. He's like, 
I don't deserve this. You know, the definition of grace is that God blesses you beyond what you deserve. And the response to grace is that you should have gratitude. Every time God pours it out, it's not a trophy belt for you to hold up and say, look how awesome I am. No, you get down on your face and you say, thank you, God, for giving me more than I could possibly deserve because I'm a sinner unworthy of your grace, but yet you pour it out on me. They get back to the shoreline and it says that they left everything and followed after him. Now, wait a minute. Last night, they just had their worst night. And just now, they just had their best day ever in the history of their career. They said yes to a career opportunity to go out to the deep water and catch the most fish they ever had. But now career is getting ready to lead into calling. And so they're getting ready to transfer from the physical world to the spiritual world, all because they said yes to the interruption, yes to the invitation, yes one more time to letting the nets down. And all of a sudden, the thing that they were the most passionate about when they started the day was catching fish. And yet they just had their best day. And when they got back to the shoreline, what does it say? They left it. They left this wasn't even what it was about anymore. The disciples literally looked at Jesus and they said, I'm willing to walk away from my best if it means I get to be a part of that. That's what I want to be a part of. Because if you'll say yes to Jesus today and you'll, you'll arrive at where he's at tomorrow, if you wake up tomorrow and you're going to walk with Jesus, that's going to be your next best day. Because wherever Jesus is, that's going to be your best day. And I promise you right now, you're only a yes away from God changing everything radically. As we prepare for this invitation, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that you would say yes to God today. Let's pray. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that every person sitting in this room would say yes. That so oftentimes the blessing that is available to other people, God, you use us, you use our obedience to create opportunities for those sitting around us. In the Bible, this happens several times. Whenever the man was lowered through the roof that they ripped open, it said, Jesus said, seeing their faith, he said, forgive them of their sins, forgive him of their, his sins. So in other words, their faith impacted that person's eternity. It, it talks about the, that God inhabits the praise of his people. Sometimes you walk in here and you say, well, I'm good. I feel I'm good, pastor. And so like, you're just kind of sitting back, soaking it up. I, I, I wanna challenge your precepts about what worship is. During a reflection time, during a decision moment, if this morning you're good, you're overflowing, you're filled up, then your worship is going to battle. Because when we commit to worshiping God, the Spirit comes and inhabits that, and the person that's three seats over from you is going to have a moment all because of you and your worship. Man, would that change? the way we worship, if we're not even worshiping just for us, but we're worshiping for the person who is empty, who is 
tapped out, who has been beaten up, and they need God to come into their life and take them out to the deep water and pour it out on them like they've never had it poured out before, just so they can walk away with it and know that's what's available with God. But I want God, not the blessing. I want the blesser that's in my life. You know what I'm saying? Is everybody ready to say yes to that today? Would you worship for not just for you, but for the person sitting next to you that God might pour it out on them to the point of overflowing. Would you guys rise and worship with us?